We can go ahead and put our hands together. How about that? That's the hope of the day. Yeah. Awesome. He is risen. Uh, response in the liturgical church would go, He is risen indeed. Let's do that again. <laughs> he is risen. Some of you are like, you've never been liturgical. Why would you now? Because I went to seminary one time and they made me. Okay, anyway, I just thought some of you came from a different, uh, we're a community church. We, we have denominations from Episcopalian, Presbyterian, Baptist, Methodist, born-again Jews, and Costco. It is just absolutely amazing. It's my favorite brand. Okay, it's not a denomination. I just want you to know. And let me tell you what I just found out. We have a, a young man in our church that works here. And Costco is closed today. How about that? Yeah. Yeah, they already get a lot of my money. They're going to get more now. I thought, man, that's awesome. Yeah. Somebody here go, I'm going to work for Costco. I've already talked to one CPA back there this morning. She goes, yeah, tax season's almost over. Okay, so here we go. Hey, happy Easter. I'm glad you're here. Some of you have eaten the heads off of bunnies and chewed the heads off of other people. I don't know. But we're thrilled that you chose today you had a lot of options in montgomery alabama on the way over here you passed a lot of churches <laughs> my friends come here from out of town they go dude y'all are the most church community in america do you know per capita we were like the second most church city in america yeah they're building a new one right next door to us next month no i'd lied okay here we go but we are glad that you're here and look right here at the top of your notes it goes easter is unbelievably believable this is so much greater than the Easter Bunny, folks. Man, this is the good news. This is the truth. And today, we might have some people that doubt or they're skeptics, so I'm going to be speaking kind of into that today and try to encourage you in a lot of different ways. But here's what I want to do. My wife shared this video with me, and it is so good. I have, like, watched it over and over. And some of you maybe have seen it. Some of you have never seen it. But we're going to look at this screen together. In this video of these kids, they tell the story like I wished I could. Let's watch together.
Let's have a closing prayer and go home. <laughs> that was awesome. I mean, who can read the story like that? That little girl, I think she's got a future. What do you think? Although, poor little boy, like, that's my sister. She's drama queen. Okay. Well, you just heard the gospel from a little kid. And it was very accurate in some of the songs that maybe you grew up in church. Look there on your worship guide. You were handing one of these on the back. There's a little blue text box. And it, I do these things sometimes called message truths. And here it is. It's real simple. The evidence for the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ gives us a solid footing in times of doubt. Here's what I've learned after following Christ for a number of years. Sometimes we have doubts. Sometimes we don't. Maybe today you came and you're extremely skeptic and you're very doubtful. Maybe you had doubts and you've overcome your doubts. And I used to think, man, doubts are horrible. But I've learned doubts are not bad. They're a part of faith. Doubts help drive us to the heart of God. They help us to question and try to work through things. So the simple thought, the title today is stop doubting and believe. Can you say that with me? Stop doubting and believe. And it might be that you're like, man, that's me. I came in here, I don't really believe it. The only reason I came was somebody promised me a really good lunch if I would come today. They lied. No, it will be. I bet you'll have an amazing lunch. How many are excited about the food that you will participate in this day? Raise your hand. Yeah. Wow, I thought all of you would raise your hand. Okay, well, I hope, I hope so. Well, the Apostle Paul, he talked about this foundation over and over in his letters in Romans and other books of the New Testament that we read. And he talks about the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That if the resurrection doesn't happen, then pity us. Pity the man that believes that this isn't true, but it is true. And he says this is the solid foundation for Christology, for the evidence of our faith. It's all based, it all hinges around one thing, the resurrection of Jesus. And I love you, if you just want to write down 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 13 through 19. I'm, I'm going to give you different verses. I can't go through all of them today. But here's what I'd say about the evidence of the resurrection. It is extremely solid. It has been verified by countless people over the years. Uh, it's just amazing how many evidences, how many manuscripts that are ancient, that are old, that are true, that have been proved true over and over. There's some 500 witnesses that Christ appeared to after the resurrection. He'd certainly already proclaimed that he was the resurrection and the life, and he had told people that he would rise from the dead. He even told the ones that were his very closest friends, and, and they didn't seem to believe till after the resurrection or some other evidence, but the empty tomb verifies the resurrection of Jesus. There's a lot of religion in the world. Sometimes maybe you took a religious study class in college, and you look at all these different ways, but there's only one way that God comes to man through the person of Christ called Christmas and incarnation. And that he dies a vicious death on a cross, but he doesn't stay a death. And that's what separates Christianity from other, every other religion. The rest of them are dead, decayed, bones, nullified. But Christ rises, and we see this verified in the Scripture over and over in other historical accounts, if you really want to get into that. And I'll give you a great source this morning. But Jesus, some of them would say, but they must have stolen the body of Jesus. I, I, that must have been what it was, but... That doesn't make sense. What was the motive for really stealing the body of Christ? And if they knew um, that there was a body, then they certainly could have silenced the disciples because then they would have produced a body and said, See, we told you it was a hoax, but they couldn't find a body because there was no body to be found because he was the resurrection. Another possibility is, 
well, it must have been the Praetorian, the, the Roman guard, they stole his body. Well, they weren't really motivated to do that, and, and uh, they, they couldn't have moved his body. One thing is, they would have taken this huge stone that weighed two to three tons that was securing the entrance to the tomb, and they would have had to move that, and you say, well, the disciples or people were asleep. Well, I think if you were moving two to three tons of equipment or of a rock, don't you think you would have made some noise? <laughs> I think so. How many of you, when you go to grab something, you grunt? All you men. How many of you? <clears throat> Come on, men. How many of you men grunt? Raise your hands. I don't know. What is it? I, I find myself, <clears throat> and I do it. My wife's like, why did you make that noise? But now we have grandsons, and she doesn't say that anymore because they make noises about everything. We had little girls. We have a granddaughter. And it's, they play sweet. I've already repaired Barbie this morning. I'm a hero, okay? Barbie's foot fell off this morning. She came to me and said, Pop, foot. I said, and, and I was running around. And I got to tell you, I prayed a lot today, but Barbie was not on my prayer list. And I really, I was thinking, I got to do this, I got to do this. And she looked at me with those little eyes and says, Pop. And then the thought came to me quickly. I have scotch tape. We can tape on Barbie's foot. And then I said, and baby, now she has a splint and she's going to be okay. And then she came back and her foot was kind of dangling. I said, we'll do surgery again. And we did it again. Barbie lives. Okay, hell, hallelujah. Why did I tell you that? Because it's a great story. I can't make up stuff that funny, okay? A third possibility is, well, maybe not the Roman guards. Maybe the disciples stole the body, but I, I don't think so. I mean, why would they do that? And they were wanting to believe they just had a hard time in the resurrection, and then they went, oh my goodness, yes, just what Jesus had been talking to us about in the upper room on the roads of Jerusalem. He would share all these wonderful truths. But maybe it is today that you're in a season, or you've been in a season of darkness in your life, and somehow you've had a hard time believing. And yet, you believe in other things, and you, like, uh, how many of you, like, if you made a cake, and you get all the ingredients, and you have to go through this long process depending on what kind of cake or what kind of pastry or whatever you're doing and you don't just go in there and shake it up in the bag and go da da <laughs> i mean it takes work and there's a designer behind the cake and you go certainly somebody designed this or somebody designed life and his name is god and the church said he designed us with a purpose he designed us to rescue us well actually that's not the way it first started but then he said hey, i got a, i got a plan i want to rescue man because they've got sin so maybe today here's what i want to say if you're struggling with doubt or you have struggled with doubt or you will struggle with doubt in the future, don't be embarrassed. Let it drive you to your knees. Let it drive you to study of God's word. Let it drive you to the point that you say, God, reveal yourself to me. I've been asking the Lord that all week. I came up here again last night to do something and I said, Lord, I just stopped and spent about 10 minutes right here saying, God, today, somehow, I'm not able, but you're powerful, God. And somehow, almost 40 years ago, you became real to me on a college campus. Would you become real to some men and women? Would you become real today to a boy or girl? Would you come real today to some people? Would you draw their hearts? You see, we're never saved. We're never in Christ. We never come to him without him drawing us. But today, of all days, man, championship day, Easter day, Cooper's baptism, I'll never forget that. We could see somebody rescued today. From the thrust of death i don't know there, there's a couple of people here that saw something different mary magdalene you know she doesn't know quite what to make of it when she gets down to the tomb that's kind of freaking her out then there's peter the apostle and he runs down there and he looks inside the tomb and he's perplexed and then there's john and he's the one that outruns them and why scripture tells us that he outruns the other ones i, I really don't know very competitive disciples what do you think 
I mean, how many of you tell somebody when you did something better than your brother or better than your friend? Sure, we just do that. I don't know. I guess it's our pride. But when they get to the tomb, there's, there's shock there because the rock is moved away. The, the, the stone is moved, and there's an empty tomb. There's no body. There's, there's no Jesus. I mean, this is the, the foundation, that, the crux that we think about for salvation, for, for resurrection. I, let me tell you something a little bit about Jewish history that I think is kind of interesting. The Jews, when they buried their dead, they would, uh, they would take strips of cloth and they would wrap one limb at a time and they were known to wrap up to a hundred pounds of spices around a body. So let's just say that Jesus was 150 pounds. You're going, how do you get that? I don't know. Okay, that was my sanctified imagination. I don't know the weight of Jesus, okay? But whatever he weighed, that plus another 100 pounds. I mean, that was, a lot, that was a lot of stuff there in the tomb. And he gets wrapped up, and they said they would do that. He was encased. But he was encased. They, they, as I've studied this in history, it was a very gooey, spicy substance that then would harden like a jelly. And you're just thinking, can you just say gross? Turn to the person next to you and go, gross? It's like that donut you ate this morning. Okay, all right, here we go. But they began to wrap, and then, and after they got through wrapping his body, kind of mummifying him, then they put a cloth over his face that was a separate garment. And, 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 and one the scripture says, and they saw the linen there, they saw the shroud, they, they saw it in the tomb, and they saw this cloth, but this cloth was like wrapped up, it was like folded over in the corner, it, it, it was like, or it was just kind of sitting there, and it, and it was all nice, and it was all neat. And, and these disciples, so they, they go through the story, and they end up, they go home, and they go at their homes, and they're like perplexed, and they're like, man, what has happened? We have dropped our nets, we've sold our homes, we've turned from family, we went to follow Jesus, we, we don't understand. Man, what are we going to do? Our, our hope, our faith seems to be dead, but we know it's not dead, but they just think it's dead because we get to look back at this. And yet, th this thing that I know uh, in, in that day, I, I thought this was interesting that uh, there might be some parents here today when it, it talks about that they would fold up the napkin and, it would, uh, it, and that meant that it, it, was, it was done. It was done. And some of you are like, okay, boys, I'm going to give you a little tip if you've got kids. If you can say, Jesus Christ, the resurrected one, he took time to fold up his napkin, then you can fold up the clothes in your room. I thought that was pretty good. Okay, but just thinking about it, you're thinking, well, that, that's, that's playing on it too much because I'm a slob and, you know, Christ should have just kind of left a mess in there and that, and that would have been fine for me. But, you know, we look at this character to here today and if you look at John chapter 20, if you brought the Bible, just turn over to John 20. And as you look there, it, it's amazing this section, starting in verse 24, Jesus appears to Thomas, Didymus, twin, this one, I love the name Thomas. Nobody knows that. That's my first name, Thomas. I love this name. You're like, well, I'm glad you're excited about it. Why don't you go by it? I know. When, when we had kids, like, you know what? I don't want to be, I'm not going to name them like that because, like, I'm Thomas Keith. And I remember one of my first jobs in a grocery store. One day I was working, uh, I had this big responsibility. It was to buff the floor. And, uh, and I was buffing the floor in the grocery store, and the manager come running down the hall, down the aisle, and he goes, Tommy, Tommy, Tom, Tommy. Dude, nobody's ever called me Tom, Tommy. I ain't gonna listen. And man, I'm just kind of doing my thing and be bobbing down that thing. And finally, he comes up on my shoulder and he grabs me. He says, "Son, I've been trying to get your attention. I've been calling you Tom, Tommy." I said, "Sir, that's not my name. My name is Keith." He goes, "You're fired." No, he didn't fire me. But I said, "Don't call me." He goes, "Well, on your application it says Thomas, so I thought I would be cute and call you Tom." I said, "Back up by my middle name. It's Keith." Okay, but here he is, Thomas. Here, doubting Thomas. You know what? 
I think he gets a bum rap, and I'm going to try to prove to you today. We've always, you know, all through the ages, can you imagine, that's your nickname, Doubting Thomas. <laughs> that's not very fun. He, he is a skeptic. He is a pessimist. He sees the glass half full. But there's some things that are courageous about the life of Thomas because Thomas ends up with this incredible faith in Christ. And I'll try to show that to you because he was skeptical, but there's, there's a transformation of Thomas. And that's what I'm asking for me and for you today, that Christ would somehow transform us and make us new and move us from doubt to hope, from doubt to a shout, that we would shout out his name, that we would glorify him, that we would worship him. But Thomas did have his doubts. He, he was a skeptic in his heart in some ways. And we read about it. It's evidence here in the scripture look, look look there with me verse 24 one of the 12 disciples thomas was not with the others when jesus came they told him we have seen the lord there's some like an eight-day period here and he's not there he's not privileged like sometimes things happen and you're not there and you go oh i wish you were here like sometimes i hear this oh you should have heard the message that the pastor preached today you should have been there that's a code to say you needed that but the, 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 I always laugh about it because like it's really you need it, but you just think it's for somebody else. And sometimes it is for somebody else. But here in verse 25, move through the scriptures with me. He says, they told him, we have seen the Lord. But he replied, I won't believe unless I see the nail wounds in his hands, put my fingers into them, place my hand into the wound in his side. But I won't believe unless I have evidence, unless I see these things. And it's like, well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I, I wasn't there. I, I missed out. You know, all the rest of you, you were there, and Jesus appears. It's like, man, and now y'all running around, man, resurrection. It's true. It's hope-filled. I missed it. Man, this is not good. But then you got to remember, it's because of this. Then Jesus ends up telling Thomas, I am the way and the truth and the life, and nobody comes to the Father but by me. And I'm grateful because Christ is always pointing us to his heavenly father, to Abba. So God points us, he, he tries to show us, but from all this going on, you know, when he, when he, when he, look at this verse. I want you to see this. So he, uh, verse 26, eight days later, the disciples were together again. This time Thomas was with them. The doors were locked. Now, wonder, why were the doors locked? You, you wonder, like, man, the doors were locked. Were they scared? They were scared of arrest. They were scared people were going to come. But here's what's amazing. But suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you. I don't know about you. When you lock your doors and then you turn around and somebody's standing there, it's time to leave. I mean, you know, I mean, I'm talking about, I'm calling federal agents. I'm calling local officers. Some of you are saying, man, I'm just getting my shotgun out. I mean, we're doing business. I mean, Jesus is just there. He just walks through walls, walks through doors. He, he transcends that, and it's pretty amazing. But look what he says here. He says, well, here's what I want, I want you to hear. He doesn't go, Tommy, Tom, Tom, come, Tom, come on. You doubt? Does Jesus, do you ever see evidence here in this gospel passage? Does he rebuke Thomas? No. He meets Thomas just where he's at. And you know, that's what I'm hoping today, that you will allow Christ to meet you right where you are on the spectrum called faith. No faith, little faith, some faith, great faith, growing faith, diminishing faith. You'll allow Christ to meet you as he met Thomas in that need. And he, and he, and, but look what he tells him. It's amazing here. He tells him, peace be with you. Comfort here. I, I want you to have this, Thomas. I don't want you to get beat up anymore. I want you to believe I'm here. I've risen. I'm not dead. I'm alive. 
I conquered death for you, Tom. I mean, Tom, man, I know you're like, you're wigging out going, Tom, man, I'm getting kind of weird about this. Right? All right, Thomas, Thomas, I'm here. I'm the resurrection. I've died for you. I've redeemed you. Oh, I will. I, I believe this is what I've done for you. But look here on the outline. Number one, Jesus promises his resurrection. I could, we could go through scripture after scripture that would confirm that Christ has already provided, but he's promised his resurrection. Matthew 12, 40. First, Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. It's already told in Scripture. Give us a sign, they would say. Well, I gave you a sign. I told you that I would come and live and be crucified and died and buried and that I would rise on the third day. Like, yeah, Jesus did do a lot of that talk about resurrection. And he fulfilled just what he said, Mark 8, 31. Listen to this passage. And then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things, be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed. And after three days, three days, he would, what? Rise again. Man, I'm glad. You can look at all these religions of the world. You can look at cults of the world. But you can only look at Jesus and go, man, Jesus. He's a sufficient one of heaven. He's the supreme one of heaven that rules and reigns forever. He's the one that can take care of my guilt, my shame, my sin. He's complete. He's God. So he rises. And look at this. Look at the second one. Jesus proves his power over death. I mean, I don't know about you. I I could go right here declaring things. But when Jesus declared it, he backed it up. He backed up what he said. I mean, Jesus had quite a track record. You're going, what are you talking about? Well, first of all, when you come and you have a miraculous birth, that's pretty cool. That's, that's not happened to us. And then you live a life and you don't fight with your brothers. I know that's a miracle. And then you live this amazing life. But then there were resurrections cited throughout Scripture that Jesus participated in. He was talking about I am the resurrection and the life, but he would raise people. There was a different accounts but the one i was thinking about was with the woman she requested the help of jesus and jesus gets to her house and touches the kid and the kid gets up then he goes to another one and there's a daughter and she's dead and jesus goes no she's not dead she's asleep she goes i'm sure she probably went well jesus you're mistaken she's dead and jesus says no she's asleep and goes to her house and jesus walks into a room and she gets up and she gets a snack. I added in to get a snack. Okay. I mean, and, and it, don't y'all like, how many of you like snacks? I mean, don't you love snacks? I mean, I love it, man. When I walk into a place that got snacks, I go, this is a good meeting. You know? And you go to somebody's home and they got snacks, like, it's good. I love it with my grandkids. They come to our house and, and they, they, they have voracious appetites and they eat before they get there. And as soon as they're only there about 15 minutes, it's like, Mimi, it's snack time. And I love that. And I join them as we walk to the pantry. It's a wonderful thing. You're like, man, I, I like snacks. But here, this one, this one gets up. I mean, this is a healing. And then I think about the other one. I preached on it last year. It's John chapter 11. It's Lazarus. And Lazarus is dead. And Jesus goes and says, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus rises. So the track record of Jesus is pretty good. Would you agree, church? So in this one, then when he's, no, then when he's crucified at the cross of Golgotha, and he is buried in a tomb, and he rises from the dead, you're going, man, he proves power over death. I think Acts 2.24, I want you to see this. 
But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Nothing can keep its hold on King Jesus. Death can't keep and hold on Jesus. And that's what we come to proclaim today, and we do it every Sunday and every day and every year and every Easter celebration. Christ for the ages. Christ for us. No, Christ for me. I just saw a thing this week. A prolific pastor from Asbury College was the former president, Dr. Dennis Kinlaw, this week went home to be with Jesus at about 94 years of age. This guy had a phenomenal impact on the Western world for Jesus Christ, proclaiming him. And it was all because death would what? Death. There was an answer in Christ. You see, we think the worst thing that can happen is death, but really that's the beginning for those that are in Christ. That's just a, a passageway for the next reality, for the next realm of life that we trust Him, this community of faith. But a lot of times people are going, oh, Thomas, bad Thomas, doubting Thomas. Well, the other ones, they had opportunities to see. So it's not quite fair that we slam um, uh, Thomas so much. They had seen Jesus, and then they believed, but Thomas wasn't there, so he didn't have a chance. So then Jesus decides to come back and give him an opportunity, and he appears. And then Thomas, let's look at the scripture here. Look what it says in verse 27. Then he said to Thomas, hey, put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound of my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. The NIV says, stop doubting and believe. Just stop doubting, son. Stop doubting, Keith. Stop doubting, Bill. Stop doubting, Susan. Stop doubting whoever. Believe in this Christ. Trust Him. Let Him realize, uh, realize how much He loves you. Uh, be, begin to embrace Him. Begin to look to Him. Ask Him to shed the light on your doubts. He, say, God, I want to investigate. I want to pursue you. I want to search for you. The Bible says God will be found by those that seek Him. Seek Him, friend. You're saying, man, I'm already a believer, then seek him more. You're saying, I'm not in Christ, then ask him. Say, Lord, reveal yourself to me in this service, in this gospel. Lord, I just want to know. Lord, I'm glad that you weren't done with Thomas. But let me tell you, let me give you good news. Time out. Jesus is not done with Thomas, and Thomas comes to incredible, solid faith in the resurrected one. Jesus is not done with you. If you're not a person of faith today, here's the good news. You're here. Your heart's beating. You're breathing. You're listening. Some of you are like, I'm, not, I'm tuned out. I'm getting ready to go eat that lunch you've been talking about. Hold up, hold up. And you're here. Christ is ever present. He's alive. It's called the mystery of God's grace, the mystery of his salvation that, he, that he's pursuing you. And he, he knew you were going to be in this service this morning on Ryan Road. He, he got a parking space for you. He got you a ride here. He gave you something to wear. I mean, all these things. And it's like, God, you've got people here. But I, I want to give you four possible reasons here. They're, they're not in your notes. You've got to write them down. But write these down. Four possible reasons you might doubt. I, I think these are good. Because you have honest questions. I've got questions that haven't been answered, and I need answers. That's okay. If you're investigating, if you're searching, and you're beginning to ask, it's okay. They're uh, probably the most famous recent day. The Chicago Tribune writer slash author slash pastor, Lee Strobel of Willow Creek, now of the Woodlands Church in Houston, Texas, 
He wrote a book some years ago, and I bought it, and I just handed it out to somebody the other day. I, I love to read apologetic writings. The ev- first one, a great one, was Evidence That Demands a Verdict by Josh McDowell. He sought out to uh, prove that Christ wasn't real, and he came to faith in Christ. Elise Strobel was an investigative reporter, as I said, and he had a Harvard Law uh, journalism deal. A very, very bright man. His, his wife comes to radical faith in Christ. All I want to tell you is, you know about it, write it down right now. Write down the movie, Case for Christ. My wife and I went to the movie yesterday afternoon. I've never gone to a movie on Easter weekend, but I said, we've got to go. Now, I've got to tell you, when we got there, me and Donna walked in yesterday. It was about 5 to 2, and the movie starts at 2.05, and this is what we saw. We walked into the movie theater, and there was one person in there. I said, I wasn't laughing either. Uh, I, said, this, I said, this is sad. This movie is probably not going to go. And then it was just like Christ Community Church. <laughs> At about 2.15, you see, if you don't come here, you don't understand that. We have a 10 o'clock service, but the 10 of 15 really does well. And, and about 2.15, popcorn started flowing, people started coming in, and there was a movie. And this movie came on, and i got to tell you, friends, my heart was warm. My heart was touched. I, I want to endorse that film for you this morning. Just write down the case for Christ. Now, I don't know how long it'll last out there, but it will help you to just drive deeper in your faith and the story's well told. Here's the second one, disappointment with God. You might doubt because something happened in your life. God didn't answer your prayer. God didn't come through. Somebody died. Something happened. And then I want you to write these words about disappointment with God. But Jesus would say this. Did I not raise my son? He did. The third thing, maybe you doubt because it's a smoke screen for a rebellious lifestyle. You just want to live it up. You want to party. You want to do your thing. And you don't have time for the gospel. And I just got to tell you, that's foolish. But his kingship has implications. And I ask you to turn to Christ. And the fourth one is, you just have a fear of commitment so you doubt. You have, a, you have a commitment phobia to marriage, to churches, to jobs, to friendships. It's just this commitment thing wigs you out. But I'm praying that today somehow Jesus would just reveal to you, I'm a committed forever friend for you. Would you commit yourself to me? I read this quote, I liked it. Doubts are the ants in the pants of faith. They keep it awake and moving. Isn't that good? I'm going to say it again. Doubts are the ants in the pants of faith. They keep it awake and moving. It's not just enough to have mental assent and go, yeah, I believe. I'm talking about believe with your whole being that you put your trust unreservedly in Christ, the risen one. The difference between doubt and unbelief is this. Doubt tends to be a problem of our intellect and God calls us to come to faith to trust him. Unbelief seems to be a problem of the heart, maybe of a hard heart. And I'm, so I'm just asking this today. Would you just say, Jesus, give me a soft heart. Give me a pliable heart, God. I'm sorry that I've been so rude to everybody, to you, that I've cast you off, but God, somehow would you draw me? Move to the scriptures with me. Verse 28, here's the declaration of Thomas. I love this. My Lord and my God, Thomas exclaims. It's one of the most powerful declarations in the New Testament. My Lord and my God, not your Lord, you're somebody else's God. No, you're my Lord. You're my Redeemer. You're my God. I believe. I trust you. Lord, I want to be authentic. Uh, 
I don't want to be what I was. I want to be new. Uh, a theologian, Paul Tillich, said, doubt is not the opposite of faith. It's an element of faith. Somehow, God can even use that doubt to help push you closer to who Christ is. I've seen it happen. For me, I was a pretty, I don't know, man, Christ drew me, and I didn't have to have all the evidences. I just knew I'd made a mess of my life, and the Spirit was moving and active, and I knew I, I wanted to get rid of some guilt and shame, and I knew that I was separated, and God had convicted my heart, and I caught upon Christ. Other people, they have to have all these reasons and evidences and proofs, and that's why I ask you to, to begin to read apologetic books, but more than anything, run to the Scriptures and just ask a simple question. Christ, show yourself to me. Become real to me. And look at the third one here. Jesus personally appeared to others. I told you earlier, he appeared to more than 500 witnesses post-resurrection. He was appearing to people on the road of Emmaus. He was appearing to different ones, and they would acknowledge him as the Christ. But guys, move down to this. This is so good. In verse 29, and then Jesus told him, you believe because you have seen me, but blessed are those who believe without seeing me. And you know what? That was written for you and me. You and I don't have the privilege of physically seeing Jesus Christ in this life. You know, when people say, man, I, you know, usually if somebody says they've seen Christ physically, you're thinking, we probably need to do a little psycho-evaluation. I mean, you know, probably not healthy or they think they're Jesus. But in this situation, man, we believe that which we haven't seen. We believe that which is real in our hearts. We believe that which is truth that's been verified by the Scripture, that He's alive. Doubters, it's right here in your notes, doubters are welcome in this place. They're welcome at the empty tomb this morning, at the empty tomb. Because of that, our faith hinges. Our faith is real. Our faith is solid. Our faith is an overcoming faith. We are more than conquerors through Christ who loves us. Amen? We're Easter people. I love this. The power of the resurrection is the power to change us. You know, and that's what it is this morning. I think Christ just wants to come. I know he does. And he just wants to change your heart. And you're saying, well, the power of the resurrection is the power of the universe. It's the power to release you from bondage and fear. Some of you walked in this morning and you've got so much bondage and addictions and fears and Christ wants to release it. Some of you, you the power of the resurrection is the power to relieve you from these cares, these burdens that are just got you down uh, cast. It's the power to revive you from being cold and hard. I understand sometimes people just get hard-hearted. And I go, man, today is a day of salvation. Today is an acceptable day of the Lord if you just be open. And the fourth one is, it's just the power to redeem from sin and self and say, Christ, become real. And so the question today is, do you need a change? And only you know that. You, not, not your mama, not your daddy, not your grandmama, not your coach, not your friend. Just you, do you need change? And just go, you know, you know you're right. I need redemption today. I need Christ. I, I'm not doing so well on my own. It's going to come up on the screen. He is not here. He is risen. He is risen from the dead. Now today I'm going to do something a little different than I've ever done in this invitation. I'm going to do some three-word prayers. You're like, dude, I like this preacher more than I thought. Some three-word prayers. And the first one's going to come up. Heavenly Father, I am curious. Heavenly Father, I am curious about this gospel. I am curious about you. Just leave it on there while I'm talking about it, okay? I'm curious. The second one is this. Father, 
I am back. See, some of you came today, you walked with Christ, and you turned away. For something happened in your life, some doubts came, uh, God didn't seem to come through, something traumatic happened. I understand, maybe your marriage broke up, uh, uh, maybe your kid died, and I'm saying, man, I'm sorry, I don't understand all that. But today you could go, I am back, so I am curious, I am back. The other one is, this is the one I'm hoping today somebody's going to do. I do believe. I do believe in Christ, the risen one. I believe Christ died for me. I want to make that my confession. And here's a fourth one. Heavenly Father, I'm grateful. I'm just grateful for your love. I mean, every in, in one of those four today, you're saying, man, I, I can pray, I can pray three of those. I, I can pray one of those. I, I need to do that. And right now, I, I'm just gonna ask somebody, we're, we're gonna have a prayer. And then I'm going to go in the back of the room, and I'm going to stand by that column. And I'm just going to ask you, if you just want to come over there and talk, I would love to talk to you about Jesus and about your faith. And we're going to sing a song, and then we're going to leave. But would you bow your heads with me? Would you just be real still? Everybody's still. Just bow your heads. Man, this is what I've been asking God for all month. Lord, come. Come in power today, Lord Jesus. Come in majesty. Draw broken people, draw broken hearts to you right now. Lord, I believe in a room this size with this many people, there are some people that said, Pastor, that's my prayer. I do believe. And if that's you, acknowledge your sin now. Lord, I have sinned. Lord, I've blown it. Just take a moment. Tell him what that is. You, you know what sin it is. Maybe it's a lot. Just ask him to forgive you of that right now. It's called repentance. Turning from that. Just, Lord, I acknowledge my sin. And I need a Savior. I need you, Jesus. I want to be a believer today. I believe that you're the Son of God and you died for me. I do, Jesus. I believe that you died that I could be forgiven. And right now, I receive you into my life as Savior and Lord. I believe this gospel today for the first time in my life, or maybe I'm coming home. I surrender right now. I just surrender, Lord. I'm sorry for what I've made this life, but Lord, I need you. I want you more than the next breath. Lord, help me to live a life pleasing to you. I will follow you from this day forward. I confess Jesus as my Lord. This is my declaration of faith. Now, right now, I'm going to ask you to do something. This is, this is huge. I remember about two years ago, we had a pilot in here, and his wife, man, she did this. Oh, man, and her life was gloriously changed. I'm going to ask you to do something really bold. And I'm just going to ask you to stand up, and then you can sit right back down. If anybody just prayed that prayer or wanted to do something kind of like that in your own heart, would you just stand to your feet right now? Just say, man, that is my declaration. God bless you. Hallelujah. Amen. Is there somebody else? Man, that's your, that's your prayer. You, you just stand up, man. You're saying, I'm standing. I'm declaring Jesus. I confess him as my Lord. That's right. Oh, Lord, we, we bless you. Lord, we thank you for the one. We thank you for a surrendered heart this morning. Continue to work. Drive out doubt. And give us belief. We love you, Lord. In the name of Christ. I'm going to invite you in a moment, if you'll just slide over to this column with me. Hey, uh, Jeremy, you and the team, Heather, y'all got a great song. Let's all stand up together. Let's all stand up. We've got a great song, The Lion and the Lamb, right? 
I'm going to invite you to sing. Come on out, church. Don't let those little kids out worship us this morning. Let's sing.